When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dr. Ben Carson is founder and chairman of the American Cornerstone Institute. He most recently served as the 17th secretary of the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. And for nearly 30 years, Dr. Carson served as the director of pediatric neurosurgery at the Johns Hopkins Children's Center. He's received dozens of honors and awards in recognition of his achievements, including the Presidential Medal of Freedom, the nation's highest civilian honor. Dr. Carson and his wife, Candy, co-founded the Carson Scholars Fund, which recognizes young people of all backgrounds for exceptional academic and humanitarian accomplishments. Dr. Carson, great to see you again. Thanks for joining me on Takeaways. It's good to be with you always. Thanks for what you do for our country. Well, that is uh, so kind of you to say. Thank you for all that you have been doing for our country for so long. Uh, I want to get into an interesting topic of, of generosity and giving with you uh, because you, you, you are a symbol of, of, of those virtues. But first, I wonder if you could just remind us of the, the background that led to where you are today. Talk to us about the kind of environment you grew up in and the challenges you experienced. Well, you know, my story is largely a story of my mother who came from rural Tennessee uh, had less than a third grade education, was from a huge family, shifted from home to home, got married at age 13, um, moved to Detroit with my father, discovered that he was a bigamist, had to end up raising us by herself. And uh, she was a person who believed in education, even though she didn't have any, because she worked as a domestic cleaning other people's houses. And she noticed they were beautiful homes, and she said, what makes these people so successful? And she studied them. She was really a spy. And she said, it's because, she says, because they don't watch TV all day and they read a lot of books. So she came home and imposed that on me and my brother. We were not happy campers, but we had to do it. Anytime we made an excuse, the next thing out of her mouth was a point called yourself to blame. And after that came the question, do you have a brain? And if the answer was yes, then you could have thought your way out of it. It doesn't matter what John or Susan or Mary or Steve or anybody else did or said. And uh, that really changed me from a failing student to an academic superstar. And uh, even though we lived in an extremely poor environment, you know, I didn't mind poverty so much once I turned things around from reading because I knew that I had the power to change that, that that was only temporary. And... Uh, that's something that's so important to give that to our children today. Instead of telling them that they're victims and that the society is oppressing them, uh, help them to understand that the person that has the most to do with what happens to them is them and not somebody else, not some circumstance. Doesn't mean that there aren't obstacles and problems, but your creator gave you an incredible brain so you don't have to sit there and mope and whine. You can figure out how to get around those obstacles that exist. And uh, once I developed that mindset, uh, 
it was tremendous. It's not to say I didn't have other issues, but I had the right mindset to get around those issues when they came up. And, uh, you know, through college at Yale, medical school at the University of Michigan, Johns Hopkins, internship and residency. And uh, by age 33, I was the chief of pediatric neurosurgery at Johns Hopkins. Dr. Carson, all, all of this wise advice that you're giving is so refreshing coming from you. And uh, I've found the same thing to be true in my life. What we think about is what we are about. If we're constantly whining and complaining and believing that we're victims, uh, that's what, just what we're gonna get and it's, and it's what we will become. And you've become who you are because, largely because of the choices that you've made and the way that you think about things. Uh, you've also discussed that when you were in school, your, some of your classmates called you dummy. Uh, how did that make you feel yeah. then? And, and how, how did you overcome that? Well, you know, I believed them. I believed that I was a dummy. Um, you know, the transformation actually started in the fifth grade. Uh, they required that everybody have eye examination. And it was discovered that I couldn't see. <laughs> I've got some glasses. And all of a sudden, I could see the board. I didn't know anybody could see the board. This is fantastic. I went from an F student to a D student. And I was so pleased. And my homeroom teacher was so pleased. But I think she had very low expectations for me. I was the only black student in the class. But my mother was devastated. She said, a D is no better than an F. I just didn't feel that great about myself until I started reading about all kinds of things. And the first thing that really happened that, that changed my mind about whether I was a dummy or not, is I had been reading all these books about rocks, geology books, because we knew near the railroad tracks. And what is there along the railroad tracks? Rocks. And I would collect boxes of rocks, bring them home, study them. Pretty soon I could tell you the name of any rock, where it came from, how it was formed. Still in the fifth grade, still a dummy. Nobody knew about this project. And one day the science teacher, Mr. Jake, walked in, he held up a big black shiny rock and he said, can anybody tell me what this is? Well, of course, I never raised my hand. I never answered any questions. So I waited for one of the smart kids. Nobody raised their hand. I raised my hand. Everybody turned around and looked. They said, Carson, Carson, got his hand up. Oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> you know, Mr. Jake said, oh, Benjamin. And I said, Mr. Jake, that's obsidian. And there was silence in the room because it sounded good. Nobody knew whether it was right or wrong. They didn't know whether they should be impressed or whether they should be mad. <laughs> right. Finally, he said, that's right, it is obsidian. And I said, obsidian is formed after a volcanic eruption and the lava flows down and hits the water. There's a super cooling process. The air force stopped. The surface glazes over. They were all staring at me. They couldn't believe all this geological information coming out of the mouth of the dummy. But I was no dummy. I said, the reason you knew the answer is because you were reading those books. And I said, what if you read books about all your subjects? Can you imagine what the impact would be? And from that point on, if I had five minutes, I was reading a book. And I became known as the bookworm. And uh, within a relatively short period of time, all the kids who were calling me dummy were coming to me saying, Benny, Benny, how do you work this problem? And I'd say, sit at my feet, youngster, while I instruct you. I was maybe a little bit <laughs> 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 oh, man. Well, that was a long time coming. And uh, I bet that just felt so good to realize that God had given you a brain and now that you knew how to engage it and it was moving you forward in life. Dr. Carson, 
Did you ever receive any acts of, of, of generosity growing up? Uh, absolutely. Uh, a lot of the people that my mother worked for uh, would send things uh, to us, items of clothing, uh, money, because they, know, they knew how poor we were. And my mother would sometimes show them our report cards and we'd have straight A's and they were very encouraging and uh, would send little notes about what we could do instead of what we couldn't do. So I thought those were tremendous acts of kindness. And when you received these acts of generosity, how did that make you feel? How did that impact you as a young person? Did it make you feel like you were getting a handout or did you feel encouraged? Did it make you feel empowered? No, it made me feel uh, a, a lot of gratitude toward those people. And it made me feel that when I became successful, I should give back as well to others. Dr. Carson, what inspired you to get involved in the field of medicine and particularly to help children? Well, you know, I used to listen to the mission stories in church and they frequently featured missionary doctors. And these people, great personal sacrifice, traveled all over the world to bring not only physical, but mental and spiritual healing to people. And they seem like the most noble people on the face of the earth. And, and, and that's really what sparked my interest. When I was eight years old, I said, I'm going to be a missionary doctor. Now, you know, the focus changed. It went from missionary doctor to psychiatrist and then to neurosurgeon. And I started out as an adult neurosurgeon. Uh, but, you know, one thing I discovered about the children is when they feel good, you know they feel good. When they feel bad, you know they feel bad. You can do all kinds of amazing things in children that you can't do in adults, like uh, remove half of the brain to stop intractable seizures in appropriate uh, patients. You can't do that in adults. And they have a, something called plasticity, the ability for the brain to remodel itself in a way that it can take over lost functions. So you can do much more radical things in children than you can in adults mm. and give them a chance at life again. And then also, you know, what do you get if you're successful with a child after a very long operation? Maybe 50, 60, 70, 80 years of life. What do you get with an old geezer? Um, maybe five years of life. So I'd like to get a big return on my investment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Carson, uh, when you read in the scriptures uh, of G the stories of Jesus healing people with, with his touch or with uh, spit and mud, um, does that inspire and impact you as a doctor as you think about God using you to bring healing through your hands and through medicine to children? Oh, there's no question that it doesn't. I realized early in my career that it wasn't me. I said, Lord, you be the neurosurgeon and I'll be the hands. And when I came to that realization, amazing things started to happen. And I, I see the impact of them even today. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the airport in Austin, Texas, and a man came running up to me and he says, Dr. Carson, you won't remember me. But 30 years ago, you operated on my three-year-old daughter. She had a malignant brain tumor. Everybody said she was going to die. And you operated. And I just want you to know she just celebrated her 33rd birthday. Wow. I know that that's not me. I know that that's God. 
and it's a privilege to be able to intervene in people's lives like mm. And Dr. Carson, um, you ran for president during the 2016 election and then later became the U.S. Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Uh, you transitioned from medicine to politics, and I know you never really uh, ever aspired to be a politician. You just love uh, helping people. But uh, tell us, what did you learn uh, being Secretary of Housing and Urban Development? Could you just help us understand what's a day in the life like for someone who lives in poverty, and uh, what did that teach you as you served them? Well, one thing that became very clear is that there are a lot of policies in our government that keep people dependent rather than try to boost them and help them become self-sufficient. Mm. And uh, I thought that uh, a lot of the programs that I designed to get people out of poverty would be very popular, uh, but not so much on the Hill. There are a lot of people there who want to keep people in poverty, who want to keep people dependent. And uh, it was a struggle. And it continues to be a struggle now. Uh, and we have to keep working on it because the, the resources in this country are adequate to give everybody a reasonable lifestyle. Uh, but you have these forces that want to control people and to control their votes and uh, control their psyche. And uh, it is a difficult thing. I also learned that the vast majority of people in this country actually think the right way uh, and actually are quite reasonable people and logical people. But there is a certain lack of courage. A lot of people will stand in the corner with their head down and just hope no one calls them a nasty name. And they're not willing to really stand up strongly for what they believe in. On the other hand, uh, there are factions that don't like our country that want to fundamentally change it to something else instead of a country that's of, by, and for the people, something that's of, by, and for the government. Mm. And uh, they seem to be much more forceful and willing to stand up for what they believe. And uh, it's kind of really take people uh, of courage. If we're going to be one nation under God, indivisible with liberty and justice for all, you have to be willing to stand up for that. And if you don't, you will lose it. Dr. Carson, uh, I'm so enjoying our conversation here. Um, and, and I love hearing the story of how the odds were, were so stacked against you when you were a little kid, growing up in a single parent home, dire poverty, poor grades, and such low self-esteem. Um, do, you, do you ever feel, as you look back on your life and compare it to where you are now, that there is a master author who is writing a story and sometimes you feel just as surprised as you read the next chapter as, as we are when we hear you talk about it? Well, Kurt, that uh, question completely captures how I feel. I sometimes feel like I'm on the outside looking at this incredible story. And uh, just amazing things have continued to happen, you know, throughout my life. And a lot of wonderful things. And I know that as an individual, I'm not that great. Um, and there's somebody else uh, operating this, this whole story. And I ask him every day to continue to do so. I said, please use me, Lord, uh, as your vessel uh, to affect good in the world, to 
to, to be someone who advocates for you and maybe someone who draws others to you. Dr. Carson, uh, what kind of encouragement can you give to young kids today who are growing up in poverty, who do have low self-esteem, who are not getting uh, great grades? Uh, they have essentially lost hope and they think that their future has already been determined. Well, I would say, remember you're made in the image of God. And that includes your brain, the human brain, billions and billions of neurons, hundreds of billions of interconnections. It remembers everything you've ever seen, everything you've ever heard. It can process more than two million bits of information in one second. You can't overload it. Some people say, don't learn this, you'll overload your brain. You can't overload the human brain. If you learned one new fact every second, it would take you more than three million years to begin to challenge the capacity of your brain. So God gave you plenty up there. Mm. And it's, it's up to you to decide what you want to do with it. You know, I, when I thought that I was stupid, I didn't even pay close attention to what the teacher was saying because I figured I wouldn't understand it anyway. But when I had a complete revolution in my thinking, you know, not only did I listen to the teachers, not only did I get A's in my subjects, I said, that's not nearly enough. And I would spend all my extra time outside of the classroom learning on my own, learning much more than was required in the classroom. And that set me on a trajectory of academic success. But you have to recognize that the person who was ultimately responsible for what happens to you is you. And how do you react to the situations that you are in? If you allow an excuse to be a containing fence, then you're stopped right there. You're not going any further. On the other hand, if you look at it as a hurdle, you jump over it or you go under, or you go around it, or you go through it. But every hurdle helps you to become stronger for the next hurdle. So you can stop and complain, or you can go over the hurdle. I love it. Dr. Carson, you and your wife, Candy, um, founded the Carson Scholars Fund. Could you tell, tell us why you created that and what you hope to accomplish with it? Well, I would go into schools all over the country and almost the first thing you're met with when you come to the front doors are the trophy cases. All state this and all state that, wrestling and football and baseball and basketball. But what about the academic superstars? What did they get? Maybe a National Honor Society pen and a pat on the head. They're there, you little nerd. I mean, nobody really cared very much about that. And I said, this is not good. Uh, you know, this is the reason that we score uh, near the bottom, particularly in the STEM areas, in the international uh, academic evaluation uh, studies. So we said we've got to make it special to be smart. So we started giving out awards for the kids who achieved at the highest levels academically and who also demonstrated that they cared about other people, both components being just as important. And, uh, you know, we've had just spectacular students. We gave out last year the 10,000 scholarship. Um, one of our scholars was the first time at Magazine Kid of the Year. 
Mm. I mean, these are really amazing, amazing people. And when they get rewarded and they get a monetary reward starting in the fourth grade, all of a sudden, maybe they're not so much the nerd. You got a scholarship? What? In the fourth grade, the fifth grade? And uh, a lot of teachers tell us that when there's a scholar in their classroom, a lot of the other kids start working at it much harder, and their grades improve too. And then we also put in reading rooms, uh, particularly in Title I schools. These are very special places that carry the characteristics of the area they exist in. Like there's uh, a reading room uh, near one of the NASA facilities that's shaped like a space capsule. And you go in there and it's got all the equipment. You look through one window, you can see the Earth. Another one, you see the moon. Another one, you see E.T. And these things kind of stimulate the imaginations of the kids. And they have wonderful books. And we want to make sure that, that the kids are learning the right stuff. That's right. Because uh, Vladimir Lenin, the first head of the Soviet Union, an avowed Marxist, said, give me your children to teach for four years, and the seed that I sow will never be uprooted. And that's why they're so interested in getting to our children early and indoctrinating them in our schools and why we must be aggressive to do otherwise. And uh, I encourage audience to go to littlepatriotslearning.com. It's a part of the American Cornerstone Institute. Uh, beautiful lessons, K through five, on who we are as America and uh, all the points of our history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. But the fact of the matter is, objective re reading will show you that there's a lot more good than there is bad and ugly. And we have wonderful animations. We hired uh, animators who are non-woke, by the way. In our Star Spangled Adventures, you have beautiful lessons. We recently did uh, Columbus, uh, the Declaration of Independence, yes. the Boston Tea Party, lessons, plans to go along with them. And it's free of charge. That's the really key because we get underwriters to underwrite the program. When you look at it, you'll say, how can this be free? It's because there are wonderful people who want to make sure that our kids get the right information. Dr. Carson, has generosity changed you? When I think of generosity coming toward me, I think, wow, you've helped me out by being generous toward me. But what does it do to me when I'm generous toward other people? Uh, I think it makes you into a better person. You know, my anger helped me to realize that. You know, when I almost stabbed another teenager and I locked myself in the bathroom and I realized that these angry outbursts that I was having would not allow me to realize my dream of becoming a physician. I would end up in jail, reform school, or the grave. And I just said, Lord, you gotta help me to understand what's happening here. I can't control my anger no matter how hard I try. And there was a Bible, I picked it up, and there were all these verses in the book of Proverbs about anger, and a whole bunch of verses about fools, and it seemed like they were all written about me. And, uh, and three hours in that bathroom, God gave me a revelation. He helped me to understand that the reason I was angry is because I was selfish. It was all about me, me, my, and I. Somebody did this to me, somebody took my thing, I want this. And if you could learn to step out of the middle of the circle and let it be about somebody else, and that's where generosity comes in. Mm. 
you'll not be angry. And that was the last day I had an angry outburst in my life. Step out of the circle and let it be about somebody else. I love that. Um, Dr. Carson, what are some ways that we can be generous toward others if we don't have a lot of resources? Well, you know, it is generous just to take time out and listen to somebody. You know, instead of when you're having a conversation, instead of just waiting for them to pause so you can say what you want to say, actually listen to what they're saying and see if you can be a benefit to them. You don't have to be a rich person to do that, but you do have to be a person who is not self-centered. Hi, I'm Kirk Cameron. Thanks for listening to this episode of Takeaways. If you love the conversations that we're having, please follow or subscribe to this podcast to never miss any of this great content. And please consider leaving a positive rating and a review to help others like you discover this show.